Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director, PR Week and Campaign US, and really delighted to be here today with Bruno Cardinale, who's the CMO of Popeyes. So we're going to talk about quick service restaurants, social media and marketing and how it integrates with communication. So hi, Bruno, and great to have you on the show. Hello, Steve. Uh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, yeah. Everything good here. Yeah, looking forward to chatting. You're based down in Miami, and um, we'll hear about um, your, your work on uh, Popeyes, and you've been with the organization at Burger King as well, um, and, and your career at Unilever. And uh, then we'll chat with co-host Frank Washcook. How are you doing, Frank, about the uh, big news stories of the week? Yeah, doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. Lots of stuff to talk about this week. The Andrew Cuomo finally resigned. We'll, we'll uh, talk about how PR pros reacted to that and what they thought of his communication strategy. Uh, we'll talk about YouTube, which launched, launched Shorts, um, a Shorts campaign to take on TikTok. Government's vaccination influencer army. Um, how has that been uh, playing out in terms of trying to persuade people to get vaccinated, as well as all the latest stories around brands and corporations and their policies on getting back into the office? bit of a furore around black creatives on LinkedIn and, and uh, claims that they've had posts removed by that social network, which uh, we'll dig into. And then uh, a pretty stark warning from a UN report on climate change, which uh, suggests we really need to get this uh, sorted out. Otherwise, we are on a, a rocky road to disaster. And we can see some of the stories around climate change really being right front and center, whether it's forest fires or flooding. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but first, let's chat to you, Bruno. You um, joined Popeye's Two years ago, but you were already within the sort of restaurant brands international family working at Burger King and um, really been on a great journey since then. We've heard all about the chicken wars, we've uh, chicken sandwich wars. We've um, covered that a lot on PR Week. So tell us how you, you know, strategized around that when you came into Popeyes and what your aims were and how that's planned out from a marketing and comms point of view. Yes, yes, absolutely, Steve. Look, I think it's uh, it's been uh, quite a quite a journey, to be honest. Uh, it's uh, I, I've now been with uh, Restaurant uh, Brands International, which is the parent company uh, behind Popeyes, Burger King, and Tim Hortons for uh, three and a half years. Uh, as you said, the first year uh, with Burger King Latin America, and now the the last two and a half years with Popeyes, uh, uh, leading marketing here for uh, for the whole team. Uh, prior to coming to, to, to RBI, I was uh, with Unilever for uh, for 15 years uh, across different markets, different countries. In, I'm originally from Brazil, uh, but I had experiences in Brazil, Mexico, in Australia, and here in the US. Uh, and it was a, an interesting move for me to uh, to really move from that CPG uh, uh, pace and industry and uh, ways of working to to fast food. Uh, very exciting. Uh, much more uh, agile, much more uh, uh, fast in, in everything that happens. 
and uh, and I landed here in Popeye. So I think the the journey has been fantastic uh, since uh, since I joined in the beginning of 2019. Uh, a lot of work, of course, uh, to 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 unleash uh, this uh, beautiful brand that we have here. Uh, when I joined the brand, uh, I, I think the very first task was to uh, look at the positioning of the brand, uh, look at the basics, at the foundation of the brand, see how you know we are uh, positioned in the market, uh, especially how guests and and people uh, out there perceive our brand uh, uh, in their minds, in their hearts, in their feelings. So uh, throughout that whole, whole journey. Uh, besides, of course, uh, working on all the visual identity, uh, the new logo and all the, the, the visual elements of the brand. Uh, I spent a, b- a bunch of time talking to guests, uh, really diving uh, deep into the brand fo- foundations. Uh, so I spent a bunch of time in New Orleans, uh, really immersing myself into the heritage of the brand, what the brand stands for, the people of New Orleans, how we embrace all those things uh, in how we uh, communicate and how we relate to people on a daily basis. Uh, and one of the things that I found uh, through that whole journey was that we, uh, Popeyes has a really, really uh, loyal uh, fan base, right? So the, the people that uh, enjoy Popeyes, that come to Popeyes, they really love the brand. They're really passionate about the brand. And they talk about the brand, right? So they, they're true ambassadors of the brand. So that's, uh, that's one of the main things that I, uh, that I uh, uh, put a lot of emphasis since I joined, you know, the power of that uh, conversation, that organic conversation that happens behind the brand, which then, of course, I think in, my, uh, in the strategies that we be able to influence it, influenced uh, two things uh, uh, quite uh, uh, heavily, right? So the first one is our whole social media uh, strategy, a uh, really important piece of everything that we do uh, here at Popeyes. Uh, that's how, you know, a, a lot of our fans and our guests uh, communicate with the brand, communicate with each other. So we wanted to make sure that we took more of a, a, a more active role in that conversation and being much more present. And the second one is PR, right? So I think PR is a, it, it was a, a big element to, to our whole strategy. I remember in one of the, the board meetings that we had in, uh, in June of 2019 that I was presenting the plan. And, uh, and I, I mentioned and I, I sh- shared a bunch of quotes and a, a bunch of uh, reviews of the brand to the board. And I, I said, look, you know, if we want to make this uh, very successful, uh, we need to work hard on social media or we need to work hard on PR uh, we have the credentials, right? So we have the credibility from a taste uh, perspective. Uh, as you probably know, uh, a lot of the chefs uh, uh, out there, very renamed and, and known chefs, they praise a lot of uh, a lot of our food uh, as being the best chicken in town, right? So we have a lot of a lot of quotes of people really saying, "If you want to get the best fried chicken, uh, go to Popeyes anywhere you go," right? So it's a uh, so, yeah, so it's a serious business, isn't it? They take chicken sandwiches very seriously, especially in New Orleans and in the South. So uh, yeah, you you do get real loyal fans, and you can play into that from your comms and marketing, can't you? Absolutely, absolutely. So we, we definitely can and, and we do. So we, we try to bring that to life in every single thing that we do. Uh, it's, a, it's a true uh, brand uh, love that, uh, that we have here. And, uh, and it speaks a ton to, to, to the work that you know, the whole team here do. Right? So we have a, we have a whole uh, culinary team with uh, trained uh, expert chefs that are really working behind all the, the, the recipes and the chicken that we put out there to really always uh, deliver uh, a best uh, taste experience for our guests so it's been a great journey and as i said we a lot of the strategy really anchored into the brand positioning uh visual identity 
and then uh, double clicking and d- d- doubling down into PR and into into social yeah. media. We'll get into some of the specifics and how the campaign developed. But interesting in what you said there about the sort of combination of PR and marketing and, and the roles each part plays and social, I guess, spans all of it. And we've talked about this a lot of PR week as well, that it, it's very difficult to define now what's what's advertising, what's marketing, what's comms, what's PR. And in fact, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's just a, it's using the most effective paid and shared and owned tools to come up with the best strategies, best ex- executions and, and campaigns to deliver on your um, objectives. So how do you make sure you all work together across the teams? I think it's, is it Heather McIntyre, who's your head of brand communication? Exactly. So how do you and Heather work together and, and you know, integrate a, an earned media sensibility in everything you do? Look, we work. It's a, it's a very good point, uh, Steve. Look, we work very, very closely uh, together. Uh, in fact, I think I think it was a I'm not sure if it was a benefit or, uh, or, or not. But I think the, the reality, the fact is that when I joined the brand, we didn't have a brand communications team. Right. So. Uh, right. So back in, in early 2019, uh, actually, the whole marketing team, I think we were probably, I would say, like 12 to 14 people. Uh, we since uh, grew our team from, from that size to, to now be more than 50, close to 60 people. Uh, and in that journey, we brought the whole brand communications as part of the, as part of the, the company structure. Uh, and I think really uh, it boils down, I think, uh, to, to collaboration and to having a, an open conversation. I think uh, Heather's uh, uh, profile alongside my profile and also the whole team that she brought on board uh, with Emily, uh, Sandra, uh, and, uh, and the ABMC team as well. We work really well together. I think uh, we all consider ourselves as part of, as being one team, right? So I, I always talk to, to, to Heather, she she leads uh, the the whole uh, all of the brands as well, but the dedicated team for Popeyes. I always tell her that I uh, I, I appropriated that team to be my team, so <laughs> yeah. so they, they end up you know I, I fight for them to sit together with my team to be all together. So we're all like we have uh, tax tax uh, groups uh, all together. So there's not much. Of, uh, of different teams here, like we, we all work together in the same in the same. Uh, yeah, it doesn't same. always work like that, does it? Yeah, you know, sometimes mark, marketing and comms runs on parallel lines rather than integrate. And that we've seen from our bellwether survey that the teams that really kill it from a comms point of view are the ones that are truly integrated and working together. Exactly, exactly, Steve. I think it's uh, I, I, my, my previous experiences uh, with Unilever, which is a much uh, larger company. So I think uh, uh, in some cases you you end up uh, having, and and I've I've heard of cases of, of of those functions not being fully integrated. But look, I think my style is all about you know uh, uh, putting egos aside, uh, working together. We all trying to do something uh, beautiful here, something extraordinary, and we the more the better. I think yeah, that's my, yeah, for my, sure, my for sure. Let's talk about the social media stuff because you know you can you can have a lot of fun on social. You can do some really engaging stuff, but you can also get into hot water and, and make mistakes. And we've seen lots of brands do that. You had the chicken wars. You had Kanye on board at the start of that. Then you had the the y'all good tweets, you know, uh, aimed at Chick Fil A and and doing fun stuff like that. How do you go about making sure you're getting the tone right and that you know, or do you have to be a bit bold and take a few chances? I think it's a it's a little bit of both, Steve. I think you know. I think uh, uh, when when we see the result of the work in the in the in, in online, right? So we we only see the result, of course. But uh, there's a lot of work that go behind the scene behind the scenes to really uh, understand what the brand stands for, understand the brand personality, understand the brand tone of voice, right? So that's why that's why 
when I joined, the first thing that we did that I did was go to New Orleans, spend uh, a good one, two weeks immersed in the culture, immersed into the community, uh, talking to people, talking to people that formed that whole community, that influenced that whole community. So I can really understand how uh, the brand should be talking to to our guests, what should be our approach to things, uh, what should be our uh, tone of voice. And more importantly, also like uh, from a strategic standpoint, what are the territories that we want to be part of in the conversation, right? So there's a lot of, uh, we can easily uh, get distracted by everything that is happening every day in social media and try to jump in every single conversation. Uh, uh, but I think it's, uh, it's really having the discipline to stick to what the, uh, we want to be uh, uh, famous for, uh, the topics that we want to be part of as a as a as a as a brand, and the topics that we actually have have something to say, right? So to be to be to being in a conversation that we don't have a lot of credentials and we don't have much to say, it's uh, it's pointless, right? So uh, so th- there's a lot of work going into the behind the scenes, as I said, and then the other piece is doing, right? So I think uh, I think social media, from my experience, uh, and 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 cracking this uh, this code is really about building that muscle memory, not only with me, but the whole team, right? So the agency team that is managing the, the social uh, media channels uh, on a daily basis, on, a, on an hourly basis, uh, it's the more we do, the more we understand, the more we get a, a good feel for the things that work well, that don't work well. Uh, but I think, at least from my point of view, I think those, these two things are really important. Like it's having a, a very solid foundation of understanding what the, of the brand positioning, tone of voice, personality, uh, and also uh, uh, doing stuff, right? So I think it's uh, it's important to that we we put our, ourselves out there. We're a little bold uh, and, uh, and and take the chances and, and go for it. You know, so yeah. uh, it's uh, of course it requires a lot of a lot of partnership, right? Uh, Steve, as you know, like you're not a, it's not only me saying everything. It's uh, we have a, I have a lot of partners here in the team across the agency, our legal team as well. But they're super partners in clearing things real fast and making sure that we are able to. To uh, to be part of those conversations in real time, so it's a it's a it's a true team effort here. Yeah, it's good to have a legal team that uh, lets you well says yes sometimes, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> they're not, not always so good at that. Um, and finally, yeah, the chicken wars over, Bruno, because you did an interesting thing recently where you sort of said, uh, "We come in peace." Um, you know, you're giving away a million nuggets i think of other other brands and um and took us through that strategy and how you how you played that out because you this what what's really interesting is the banter and the engagement between different brands on social as well exactly exactly look i think it's a it was a a very clever uh creative solution that uh got our uh, creative agents of record uh here in miami uh, brought to us and i was really excited with that idea because it, 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 it checked a lot of boxes to me in my mind, you know, because it was uh, playing to a cultural context that, uh, that that happened or has been happening for the past two years. Right. So since we uh, launched our chicken sandwich in, uh, in 2019, I was actually reading a report the other day that I, uh, I, I saw that 17 brands actually relaunched or introduced their chicken sandwiches for the first time since ours uh, came to life in 2019. So it was a true, you know, industry changing type of uh, type of initiative. Including that, uh, um, Airheads, the candy <laughs> brand. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so it changed a lot of, uh, a lot of the industry uh, and, uh, and it drove a lot of conversation in the, in, in pop culture, right? So a lot of people talking about it and, uh, and we felt like, it was a great way to bring and introduce nuggets uh, in, in leveraging that cultural context, but also putting nuggets at the center of the conversation, right? Because of making the the, the, the play on words uh, of peace and pieces, 
right? So, uh, so we, we, I thought it was a clever way to bring the campaign to life and, uh, and say, you know what, the chickens, the chicken wars is over because now we come in peace, eight pieces to be exact. So, uh, so it was a, a clever, fun you way. See to see what you did there. Exactly. Um, so how do you, so the other people you have to please are the finance, the numbers people, you know, at RBI. So how do you justify the social stuff in terms of, you know, measuring business benefit? That's always the big question, isn't it? How do you, how do you um, go about that? Yeah, look, I think we have very clear, like across, uh, I think the, the board of the company here is very supportive of uh, two, uh, I would say a lot of things, but I think uh, for this conversation, <laughs> uh, two things. I think the first one is uh, is around creativity. You know, the board and the, 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 the my boss and the, and the CEO, they all uh, really support uh, uh, a creative uh, environment, which I think it's very, uh, very important uh, for us. Uh, and the second thing is uh, the belief that we have to build brands for the long term success of the business. Right. So uh, with those two things in mind, we have very uh, much aligned on the KPIs that we want these things to to help the brand achieve, you know, in terms of. Uh, brand attributes, uh, brand love, uh, all the different attributes that we want to build. But more importantly, uh, and uh, uh, basically, I think overarching as a, as, as a whole thing is uh, keep the brand top of mind. You know, I think uh, in the QSR business, uh, it's all about uh, top of mind, right? So it's uh, it's pretty much an impulse uh, visit in most of the cases. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there, so we always have to be top of mind. So so people uh, here, I think internally throughout the whole. Uh, exercise that the company did, right? So uh, Fernando Machado, he's, uh, he was here for, uh, yeah, for seven years, if I'm course, not mistaken. Yeah. So he's been uh, a true pioneer, pioneer into showing and, 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 and really uh, a true proven case is that that type of effort works, which I think it makes the life and, uh, and the culture of the company much easier and much more acceptable for these kind of things. What about the franchisees? Do they like all this social stuff or would they rather you just sort of put a bunch of paid media into their local market? What do they think of it? No, they, they, they like it. They like it. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, see, they see the benefit. I think, uh, I think uh, the, the benefit that they see on the daily basis is them talking within their communities and hearing from others that all the things that we're doing and all the things that Popeyes is doing, and they feel very proud of uh, of being part of this project, right? So they, they see the value, they support 100% of the time. Every Actually, every time I go to uh, to franchisee meetings, uh, the most uh, common question I get asked is, uh, when is the next suite going out? Uh, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, That's good. So, That's good. Exactly. Exactly. So they're very supportive. Good. But well, great to chat. There's loads more we could have talked about, and we'll get into some uh, some your input on some of the news stories we're going to cover. But uh, great to chat, Bruno. Likewise, uh, likewise. It's a fascinating sector. Frank, um, big story this week, obviously, is Governor Cuomo finally resigning, New York governor. And uh, we chatted to PR pros to see how they reacted. First of all, what did you think of it, the way it went down? And was it kind of on the cards once his uh, main press person left? Well, I, I'm surprised he stepped down without more of a fight, which isn't really indicative of how he's been most of his career. But um, I, I think if you look at it in the most calculating way possible, I mean, he he must have known he, he did not have the votes to survive an impeachment trial. And uh, it would be better to get out now uh, than to, to wait it out and fight to the end. Um you know, there's already speculation. There's a gubernatorial election in New York next year uh, about whether uh, he would run again in the future, if not in that election, in a, in a future election. Um, of course, first law enforcement authorities are 
uh, investigating some things he's accused of doing, and he may still get impeached by New York. So um, obviously he concluded this was the best way out for him. Uh, interesting that in the speech, he, it was a bit of a cliffhanger and he went back and forth. It seemed to go back and forth a few times about, you know, you could see people's opinions changing on Twitter as the speech was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's fair to say most of our audience was not impressed with the resignation speech, um, judging by their reactions. I, I would agree with that. I mean, I think anybody who has had to take the uh, the very long and thorough uh, anti harassment course uh, that all managers have to take in New York State uh, would not be in a position to say, well, gosh, I didn't know that the lines had moved so much over the past few years because That's, they spell it out very clearly. They do. The, they do. The lines are. We've and, both taken it, haven't we? And anybody who has taken this class would also tell you that. A large part of it is about harassment, but another large part of it is about retaliation, which uh, he and members of his staff have been accused of as well. Um, So I I would agree. I I think a lot of it rings hollow. Of course, you're going to get some people who um, who disagree. But I I just think it's not much of an excuse to just say. I'm an old timer and I didn't know values had changed so much in the past couple of years because he. he he claimed to be a supporter of the Me Too movement yeah. a couple of years ago. So now saying, gosh, I, I just didn't understand this, just uh, it's not much of an excuse. And obviously he, he's been accused of a lot. And the attorney general's report has has found that he did a lot. So, yeah, there's a Trevor Noah clip, isn't there, going around social of that hasn't aged well, which a lot of um, the sort of uh, Republican leaning uh, Folks on social have been uh, tweeting around about uh, glowing, glow, talking glowingly about uh, Cuomo and being a Cuomo sexual and all this sort of stuff. So it's, uh, it, it, it didn't age well. But uh, yeah, he seems to resign, but pretty much say I didn't really do anything wrong. You know, it's just uh, it's all been misunderstood, which is it's not it's not good pe- best practice for a crisis, is it? Of course. Now, there's a, a few other angles to this. The current lieutenant governor, Kathy Hochul, uh, just did her first press conference on Wednesday afternoon. Um, I, she seemed fairly solid. Uh, you could one of the commentators on New York once said you could you could really almost uh, feel the weight of the moment, the tension as she was up there answering questions. Um, she'll be the state's first female governor. She was asked who she's going to pick for her own lieutenant governor. And, um, you know, I guess that announcement is going to be made in in the next two weeks um but you know she's clearly she 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 said in her original statement she said today i'm ready to lead she's clearly trying to establish that narrative uh as she's about to step into office i I think the other thing that we'll be watching is where do a lot of these folks who worked for cuomo and especially the ones who have been accused of leaking information about their fellow employees, where do they look for work after this? Mm-hmm. And it, it will it will be a big deal. And, you know, any agencies that, that go and hire them have to be prepared for a lot of blowback if they go and hire them and prepared for a lot of negative headlines. So it's going to be interesting to see where uh, in the agency world or the consultancy world or, or whether they end up or whether they try to open up shop for themselves.
We'll see. Yeah, it's really amazing if you look back a year ago where he was being held up as a great communicator leading on the COVID response and looking after people during the pandemic. And it's all fallen apart very quickly, starting with the the care home uh, lack of attention. That's true. uh, And then just spiraling downhill from there. Yeah, and I should say I don't I don't think Biden was strong on this yesterday when he commented on it. And then no, no. Um, I I don't look. I mean, this was a very thorough Attorney General's report that was conducted into his behavior and his staff's behavior. Um, if if you buy that where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a lot of smoke and there's a lot of fire here. And yeah, so. Yeah, I didn't think that was the strongest statement by the president yesterday either. No, because he'd gone in originally and said he should resign, hadn't he, Um, a a week or so ago. Yeah. All right. So, look, uh, a lot of that played out on social media. We've already talked about social a lot. Let's talk about YouTube, which has launched a shorts campaign to take on TikTok. So uh, what's that all about, Frank? So it's it's the latest in social media platforms copying uh, each other's uh, hit features, so to speak. And in this case, YouTube is really trying to copy, uh, it's trying to clone kind of all of TikTok, which I think, as we know, is right now is the trendsetter, and it's where uh, it's where the kids are, and it's where <laughs> it's where everything is happening. It's where the Olympic uh, athletes were. Yeah, for sure. And and so YouTube is trying to get in on this with its own short form service. Um, I'm hard pressed to think of a time where where the copycat has really surpassed the original, maybe with all of the the Instagram stories. And if you want to compare that to Snapchat, but I, I think more often than not, the the original tends to hold off the copycats. And and I uh, I have a hard time seeing how. YouTube is going to break the the buzz that TikTok really has going right now because it it is buzzy and it is um, you, you when you talk to brands about social media, I mean it's on the tip of their tongues. It's where they want to be at. Yeah, Bruno, how do you approach this? Because you know we saw with the Olympics that consumers aren't hanging out on cable TV so much anymore. They're streaming. They are on social media. The athletes were on TikTok, and everyone was following the story from that point of view. So when you're telling brand stories and uh, and the narrative, you, you've got to bring all these new platforms into play. But how do you work out which ones to use? Whether you're going to go down the clubhouse route or you know. Talk us through the decision-making process at a brand like Popeyes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I think uh, it's uh, we normally go through uh, uh, the topics that we want to uh, to engage. I think we have a list of, uh, of four or five uh, uh, different territories that we want to be uh, really uh, uh, playing into, uh, and we normally uh, identify affinity, uh, the best use, the best audience, and of course our ability to cre- create relevant content. Right, so I think that's uh, that's what's really uh, uh, cool about all these platforms is that it's all based on content. Right, so it's uh, so the content is really driving that whole conversation. So it's hard to to push or to 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 pressure or to to force something down uh, that it's not authentic to that form to that audience and to that uh, type of viewership so uh, we normally look at you know the type of uh, of content territories that we want to play and we understand where they, they they resonate best with uh, with the audience that we want to talk to and then we basically create a whole plan to 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 activate and to be part of that conversation but it's a uh, yeah the youtube shorts is a it's a it's a it's an interesting move and uh, uh, really looking forward to see what's uh, what comes out of that 
Are you looking to your agencies to advise you on stuff like this or are you all over it in-house or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both, uh, Steve. Like we work very closely with uh, with all our agencies. So uh, we work with Gut Miami. We work with ABMC. We work with Horizon in New York from a media perspective and a and few other partners as well. Uh, and we, we get together quite often. Uh, especially with gut on, on strategizing and defining those territories, defining where to play. And then Horizon also comes on, on board to, to help us inform with the data and all the, the facts and the, and the, and the insights on, on, on that, uh, on the, on the different channels. Yeah. ABMC is our Allison Broad Marketing and Communications does some great work and uh, always does well at CAN, always gets uh, shortlisted for a lot of, a uh, lot of activations. Exactly. There. So, yeah. Exactly. But it's very, you know, it, it can be confusing. You know, if you, even if you look at, say, audio social networks, you had Clubhouse, you've got uh, Twitter's got spaces, Facebook's launching its thing, Spotify's got its thing, there are independents as well. So it's, it, it can get confusing, can't it? And uh, you can't try everything out. So Exactly, exactly. And uh, yeah, we have, <laughs> we have a, a limited span of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of action and we need to focus and make sure that in those that we're playing, we're doing a good job. Yeah, for sure. Um, Frank, staying on this sort of tip, um, the government had a vaccination influencer army, which was trying to persuade young people about uh, getting vaccinated. Tell us about that and any other developments this week in the sort of brand and corporate policies around going back into the office. Yeah, all kinds of um, influencers being um, employed or contacted by the government to try to encourage young people, uh, people under 18, uh, to get vaccinated against against COVID-19. And it, it's tricky, uh, is what we found in this analysis uh, by Alita Stamp, who did a terrific job on it. Um, one concept I love is this idea of the nag factor, uh, which is because children under 17 need their parents' consent to get vaccinated in most states. But what they are hoping to encourage is uh, kids sort of bugging their parents that they want to get vaccinated, or at least that they think it's a good idea. Um, another thing that is interesting about this is that, you know, we always talk about metrics and, and how indicative they are of whether or not a campaign is successful and whether it, it hits its targets. Uh, this is the ultimate case of, of you, you can see in real time on the state by state numbers how many young people uh, are getting vaccinated um, and uh, holding that up against the, the infection rates and the hospitalization rates and unfortunately the death rates in each state. Um, so this is, this is a case where we, we hope it's successful because it's in all of our interests for it to be successful and, uh, and to finally turn the corner on this thing. Another good finding from this is that it, it isn't really the big TikTok influencers that you want to use to break through to younger people uh, in a lot of cases. In some cases, it's, it's the nano influencers or like the, the local celebrity types that can have a strong impact because with the Gen Z audiences, authenticity is really key. And so even these folks that might have like 300 or 400 followers, uh, but are very popular on a local level, uh, might be more effective in getting people to get vaccinated. So a lot of interesting stuff in this story. Worth checking out. It's on our homepage right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, LinkedIn getting criticized by black creatives for removing posts from uh, that social network and um, uh, didn't necessarily respond in the most in the most effective way from what I could tell. I agree with you. And um, the gist of this 
uh, is that a number of black creatives have talked about uh, issues that they have run into and talked about uplifting black voices. Um, and they have found that these posts have been mysteriously deleted. And a lot of them have very coincidentally or not found that uh, these things were getting, these posts were getting deleted when they uh, explored a number explored these topics. So uh, LinkedIn, uh, you know, they blamed a bug at first, which is is really whether it's true or not. I think they they owe a bit more of an explanation there. Um, and uh, a, a number of these creatives have asked to talk to LinkedIn CEO about this, and um, it did feel a bit from the story like he was ducking these conversations, maybe ducking other interviews on this. Um, I would like to see LinkedIn. Uh, this is an important topic to anybody at a corporation. Diversity, equity, um, creating more diverse workforces, and it's important not just because it's the right thing to do. It's a, you know there's a business imperative behind it. So this is important to everybody and, and to LinkedIn's audience especially. Uh, and I hope they they take it really seriously because I think there are a lot of folks out there who are trying to do good work here and um, the more visibility they can get on social media the better it will be yeah because this one's in danger of just sort of uh, meandering along and not not having an end uh, put to it by by That's allowing right. this debate to continue which is the nature of social bruno thinking about generally about diversity obviously your customer base is incredibly diverse you want your marketing to reflect diverse themes it's been a big topic over the last 12 18 months how are you ensuring you know that you're uh, meeting the needs of a modern population in terms of your marketing and 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 the people you use to tell those stories. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Look, I think it's actually uh, something that we've been working on for uh, for a little bit, and we just uh, we just issued uh, released a few months ago. We uh, we took on a on a journey to to improve diversity uh, across our whole marketing uh, journey, right? So uh, basically, not only uh, through uh, commercials, but basically through the people that sit behind those commercials, you know, uh, uh, on our brand team here, on our agency teams, uh, across uh, all the different vendors that we uh, uh, directly partner with, uh, the the different directors, photographers uh, that we use, uh, food stylists that we use uh, in our commercials. So we're basically uh, we created a scorecard to uh, to really help us uh, measure and help us, you know, first of all, create visibility, uh, create awareness uh, for our for our teams. Uh, uh, from from an end to end uh, uh, space, but also to provide that visibility to others that might be uh, interested in, in embarking the same journey, that might be interested in having the same conversation, helping us evolve the way we're tracking, the way we're measuring, the way the actions that we're taking to improve diversity across our whole marketing uh, uh, journey. So uh, it's something that we're really proud. So we we just launched uh, recently. Uh, a partnership with the one school for uh, for food stylists, uh, which is a big part of uh, of our campaigns. Uh, we we work with Guts to make sure that uh, in every single project that we bid, we have a diverse pool of uh, of talents uh, from from all different uh, functions. You know, directors, photographers, producers. So we're really trying to uh, to to make sure that not only the the, the audience is uh, diverse, but also the the the, the input. Uh, coming from us here is also coming from a from a space that it's uh, considering different points of view and different perspectives because we really believe that that that, that makes us stronger that makes us uh, uh, more powerful as a brand and as a society. 
Yeah, it's very important. And I think uh, the clients have the power to do this. You know, if they insist on their agencies being diverse, then the agencies have to be diverse to keep the business. And I think we looked at the Super Bowl this year. There was a shockingly small number of black directors and female directors. So that's across the board with the supply chain. I think that's uh, really important work. And um, kudos for doing that. Frank, just to finish off, which, I mean, we're, we've got a day in New York tomorrow. It's going to be 97 degrees there's a UN report on climate change, which is pretty stark, isn't it? When you look at the fires we've been seeing in California, in, in Siberia, in places like Algeria, and then floods in Germany and in the UK, we, we're on the threshold here of real disaster that, that, that actually we haven't got long to fix this. But judging by the, what this report says. Uh, no, that's exactly it. It's it's very dire. Um in it, the the only silver lining in it really is that uh, if human beings uh, can cut emissions very quickly, the worst impacts of global warming are avoidable. Um, one thing I would say about this is that, I, and there have been environmental groups talking about global warming or climate change, however you want to position it, for a long time. I think it's it's most effective when it is positioned alongside a. Uh, economic reason for doing so, whether that's job creation or, uh, you know, creating jobs in green energy uh, or things like that, because uh, we're really, I I think, beyond the edge of the cliff right now. Uh, And and this report makes no doubt whatsoever. I mean, I think it would, you would hope it would convince even the the strongest global warming denialist because it is, it's pretty stark. Yeah, it is. And uh, business has a role to play. This is one of the elements of the business roundtable commitment uh, was the environment. And we're doing some work around that as it comes up to two years after that report. So, Bruno, how do you approach this as a big business? You you know, a lot of packaging, a lot of elements to your business. How are you ensuring that you're uh, being good to the environment in terms of the way you uh, message, but also uh, the way the business, uh, the nuts and bolts of the business function? Uh, look, it, uh, it's, uh, it's something that we've been uh, also working as Steve for uh, for the past years, actually, uh, in uh, improving our actions across the whole chain, right? So I think, as you mentioned, I think uh, it, it fly it, it goes through uh, our supply chain, distribution, uh, restaurant uh, uh, operations, you know, uh, uh, use of energy, and uh, and all those different elements. I think as RBI, we uh, launched uh, a couple of years ago our RBI for Good. Uh, uh, commitments, and we tackle a bunch of different uh, spaces into into those topics that I was just mentioning. So it's something that we've been uh, working quite st- extensively here at RBI. Uh, of course, we're in the. I, I wouldn't say that we're uh, uh, at the end line, right? So I think we're all at the beginning of the line in improving and uh, and transforming the way we do business. But it's something that we we, we trust and we think it's the it's the right thing to do for uh, for, for the environment. Yeah, we've all got a responsibility to do that. So I think we've all got to pull together on that and um, we'll continue to tell those stories on PR Week. Bruno, it's been great chatting to you. It's made me hungry. I fancy a chicken sandwich, actually. Um, Washed down with a nice beer or something like that. But anyway, that's that's, that's what working from home does for you. But great to chat to you and uh, looking forward to seeing where you're taking Popeyes in the future. Likewise, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Frank. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Bruno. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Frank. As always, um, a couple of 
customer service notes. Uh, the PR Week Awards, you've got until 1st of September as the first deadline for entry. So do make sure you're working on those. That's before Labor Day. So uh, over the sort of maybe slightly quieter weeks in August, you can get working on those. The Purpose Awards, they will be handed out on the 13th of October. And uh, really looking forward to seeing the, the case studies that win there. The, that's part of PR Decoded, our big annual conference, which is from the 12th to the 14th of October. And then our 40 Under 40 celebration, that will be on the 28th of October. So uh, look out for all those events. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.